today on Ag News Daily. You generate a liquid waste stream, and that waste stream has both protein, lactose, and minerals. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and happy Friday here on the Ag News Daily podcast. Delaney Howell joined, as always, by my co-host, Mike Pearson. Good afternoon, Delaney Howe. I tell you what, it is Friday. It sure is. It sure is. I'm ready for it to be Friday. I bet. I bet. You know who isn't? It's it's that time of week. Yes. But we are going to have an interesting discussion here for our interview portion. But in the meantime, we've got some news to cover. The first big headline story that has kind of rattled the markets here as we closed out the day is that China, the Chinese delegation in D.C. for the trade talks, has decided to go home rather than do farm visits, which uh, they were planning on visiting uh, Omaha, Nebraska, and uh, Bozeman, Montana, and they have now canceled both of those. And it sounds like they're just headed straight for home. So they have canceled both of them. I saw news this morning that they'd canceled the Montana portion, but hadn't seen anything about the Nebraska portion being canceled. Yep, just saw that headline uh, come across the Twitter feed here about 10 minutes ago. Ah, okay, and that has definitely the markets upset for today. Yes, yeah, I mean, you can you can spot exactly when they made this announcement in both beans and hogs. We just, uh, you know, kind of puked up a little bit. All right. Puked, puked down, I should say. Yeah, nice. Thanks for that. Yeah. It's well, a very technical trading word, Delaney. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Well, since we're talking about China, you've mentioned, Mike, that October 1st is the big holiday there in China. And, of course, pork is a essential part of that celebration as well as the Chinese diet. Interesting article this week on actually the article is or the publication is called this week in asia and uh interestingly enough so during the mao zendong era in the economy they they gave out what was called like pork coupons essentially and a way to ration the pork supply when they just didn't have the production levels to support massive eating of pork and it was considered really a luxury for folks to be able to get this pork. And President Xi has decided to take on the same coupon, if you will, and has basically arranged for all of China, all of the folks in China that would need a coupon to receive this coupon to ensure that everybody has pork on this October 1st holiday, even with soaring pork prices, which as of latest, have soared, I believe I read somewhere today, about 46%. Yeah, huge price spike. So i got to circle back. So they're going back to rationing yes. via coupons? That's the plan? Yes. Isn't that interesting? They're, and well, they're, this article is basically paralleling President Xi's administration to Mao Zedong. Of course. I mean, that's that's exactly where he's taking the page out of. But isn't the National Day October 1st? How are yes. they going to get coupons to everybody? I don't know. I do not Like, how know. is this even going to work? <laughs> the logistics are not laid out for us. Interesting. Well, as, as long as we're talking about China, we did get news out of the trade meeting earlier today. Uh, uh, Robert Lighthizer, the U.S. trade representative, issued several federal notices, and they have uh, – Washington has lifted tariffs on 400 different – excuse me, more than 400 different Chinese products. 
Okay, so it sounds like the U.S. is also going to be playing that game, lifting uh, tariffs here and there. Yeah, yeah. So these were all tariffs that were put in place, and then companies in America wrote in to the USTR and said, hey, this is going to hurt our business. Mm -hmm. You know, please don't put this tariff on. So uh, supposedly, these are being withdrawn at the request of the American buyers. It's just gotcha. interesting. He's announcing this, uh, this pullback in tariffs while the meeting is going on. You know, it looks like a goodwill gesture on behalf of the U.S. to China. But they still decided to cancel their farm visits next week. You know, I'm almost wondering, too, if it was something along the lines of these alleged farmers maybe didn't want some of those people on their farms. Right. Right. We're having that discussion as well. With African swine fever spreading the way it is, I've got to imagine that folks were probably less keen to have, yeah. uh, have a bunch of foreign visitors, you know, tromping around on their, on their property. Yeah. I don't think I would... Uh... Be too happy about that myself at this point in time. But continuing on with the trade news, Mike, since we're uh, talking about China, I wanted to bring up an, another uh, Chinese-focused article looking at their economic growth. China's economic growth over really the last 30 years has been extremely fast-paced, and Economists are now suggesting that here over the next year to two years, their economy is really going to cool off. And they have hit nearly a 30-year low of economic growth, which was about six, just over 6% from the months of April till June. And economists are concerned that they are continuing to show slowing trends through their economic GDP and stuff like that. Um, so... Another continued, I think, indicator or concern that maybe we are heading into a global recession. Yeah, that's the thought. And, you know, it's interesting. We've got the uh, interest rates being cut. We've got all of these other things going on. And, yeah, this, uh, this trade battle could be uh, the straw that breaks the camel's back and ends this, you know, 11-year um, rally. Yeah. And uh, since we're talking a little bit about this, I know you mentioned the Fed's interest cut the other day, but I also had this actually sent to me by Gary Rasmussen, and that is the Fed is actually pumping money into the markets, which is something they've done for the first time in 10 years on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. It's the first time since the recession we have seen right. these uh, these repo activities going on from the uh, the New York Fed. And it's interesting to watch that. There still seems to be lots of discussion about why these, uh, these repos are happening, these repurchase agreements, and why the Fed is involved. And um, yeah, I don't really have a clear picture, but it looks as though that is one of the ways they're looking to tame their, uh, their interest rates. So explain to me, what is a repurchase agreement when the Fed does that? So it's basically a short-term loan. Um, we can think about it as there are banks and uh, broker dealers who own a lot of securities. They own a lot of treasury securities and they need cash. Well, they don't want to sell their securities outright. So they go into the repurchase market and they effectively loan the securities to, in this case, the Federal Reserve in exchange for cash, usually for overnight or for very short term periods. And that way the cash gets into the economy and the, the debt the security is still owned by you know whoever owns it, whoever needs the loan in the first place, and so it's just a it's a pretty effective way to move some liquidity into the market. Okay, but it's, it's I'm, short I'm term. I'm certainly no expert in it, so I'm. 
very open to our listeners finding us on Twitter and on Facebook. Just search for Ag News Daily, and let me know if I'm, if I'm misrepresenting it in any way. But that's my limited understanding. Okay. Well, your limited understanding is more than my limited understanding, so I thought I'd ask you to start. Well, there we go. That's a start. Look, think of it that way. Okay. Um, the Google will also tell you. Yes. The Google and I will be having another uh, wormhole session this afternoon, I can tell. Perfect. Perfect. Well, I just have one other story to talk about, and this I thought was interesting. This was a press release from the American Farm Bureau Federation, and they're calling on Sonny, Secretary Sonny Perdue to stop – or excuse me, to enact much-needed reforms in the NRCS, the National Resources Conservation Service um, – Basically, there was a ruling by the Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit ruled that NRCS was completely out of bounds in how they were treating this family in Indiana. David and Rita Boucher, 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 I'm not sure, um, have been fighting the NRCS for 17 years over nine trees that they chopped down on their property. And um, this, this Court of Appeals wrote, quote, the USDA repeatedly failed to follow applicable law and agency standards. It disregarded compelling evidence showing that the acreage in question never qualified as wetlands and could have been converted illegally into croplands. The agency has kept shifting its explanations for treating the acreage as converted wetlands. The USDA's treatment of the Boucher's acreage easily qualifies as arbitrary, capricious, and an abuse of discretion. And so uh, American Farm Bureau and I imagine some other ag groups are getting together to uh, basically – put some more oversight on uh, NRCS officials. Yeah, I saw this earlier in the week too, but uh, forget to bring it up during the podcast. I'm glad you did, Mike. Yeah, yeah, interesting story. We'll, uh, we'll continue to see what happens. I, I don't know if, if Secretary Sonny's going to respond, but we will see. Yes, we will. The only other piece of news I had for today, Mike, was another change for those folks inquiring or using foreign labor. The Department of Labor announced a final rule for H-2A visas that will become effective on October 31st, not so much affecting the folks that are using the visa, but those employing the visa workers. As of previously, the employers were to not only um, list the job openings on the government website, but they were also required to print them in newspapers, hmm. which was, I guess, a way to boost recruiting more workers and save employers money. But the uh, quite a few different folks representing agricultural employees, including the National Council of Agricultural Employers, said that this, this uh, ruling, this way of doing it was really outdated and, and basically cost a lot of money for the employers to actually have a printed advertisement. So as of October 21st, those folks will no longer be required to post them in printed forms and will be allowed to only post them on the USDA seasonaljobs.dol.gov, and it's expected to save them about $14 million per year. Wow, another hit for the newspaper industry, though. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, interesting. I didn't know they were still required to post those things on the actual, you know, uh, newspaper. Printed, in print. right. Right, yeah. right. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of interesting, we had an interesting day today in the grain markets. Delaney, what do you think? Should we look in and see where things close? Let's do it. 
All right, folks. And as we look at corn, it was everything was down on the day in the grains. Corn December contract down one and three quarters at three seventy one even. The March down two cents at three eighty two even. In soybeans, the November contract dropped after the Chinese pullout, dropped ten and three quarter cents to finish down at eight eighty two and a quarter. January down ten and a quarter cents on the day at eight ninety five and three quarters. In Chicago wheat, the December contract was down four cents at four eighty four even. The March down three and a half finished at four. 490 and three quarters. Looking over to the world of livestock mixed trade in the cattle complex, October live cattle down 45 cents at 99.35. December down 67.5 cents to finish at 105.15. Lean hogs were up a little bit. The October contract up 27.5 cents at 139. Excuse me, feeder cattle were up a little bit. October contract up 27.5 cents at 139.20, with the November down 22.5, finishing at 137.02.50. And in lean hogs, weakness came back into this market again after that Chinese announced that they were not going to be touring farms. October lean hog contract dropped $1.05 at 60.35. The December down $1.70 to finish the day at 66.25. Next, we're going to talk about exactly how we can grow those pigs a little healthier with today's interview. Well, as we've discussed on the podcast previously during some of our news segments, Vilsack, president or former governor of Iowa, Tom Vilsack, former U.S. Secretary of Agriculture, Tom Vilsack, who is working with the U.S. Dairy Export Council, has made comments that we continue to see the dairy industry specifically working with the Chinese population and government to repopulate the hog herd through whey protein. And to explain a little bit more about some of that research is Dr. Phil Tong, who is the Director of Dairy Science Education and Research for the American Dairy Products Institute. Dr. Tong, thank you, first of all, so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. So I'm happy to to answer any questions you have. Well, we are excited to have you. Tell us a little bit about the study itself from a large-scale perspective. I know you didn't necessarily do the science part of it, but you were there working through the process of getting this study funded and really the process itself done throughout the industry. Yeah, so within the American Dairy Products Institute, we have several of the dairy ingredient manufacturers represented, and they uh, brought to our attention uh, the importance of updating and providing studies that would demonstrate the value of whey permeate. Actually, it's not whey protein, but whey permeate, which is okay. primarily a source of lactose to feed for early weaning of pigs. So the, they wanted to do this in, um, in large-scale studies. So we fed over 3,000 pigs. Uh, in three separate studies to document the value of and the role of feeding lactose in the form of whey permeate to dairy, uh, to uh, piglets, the early weaning of pigs. So with whey permeate, if you could go into a little more detail for those of us that aren't dairy folks, what what is it? I mean, it's a, it's a source of lactose. So is it pulled from... The fluid milk, I guess, bring me up to speed on yeah, what we well, permeate yeah, it. Yeah, it all starts from milk, but uh, uh, in the process of, of uh, converting milk to other dairy products, in particular cheese, we generate a 
liquid waste stream, and that waste stream has both protein, lactose, and minerals. And so in the process of making various products, we make a whey protein concentrate and isolate from uh, that waste stream. And the other stream, the co-product stream that comes from that, is the permeate. And that permeate is the lactose stream, which is primarily lactose and some mineral, that is uh, then concentrated and dried and, and used as a source of both uh, human and animal uh, food feed. All right. Well, now let's let's take a look at the study itself. You're feeding um, whey permeate to uh, weaned hogs. What did you learn? What did uh, what did the study show? Yeah. So the weaned piglets that we fed, uh, and these were right after weaning. Um, they really uh, showed a value in terms of both optimizing the economic return for nursery pigs. And really um, uh, what what this did was it improves their overall uh, health and wellness of the pig and primarily increases their growth. And so um, increases their growth rate and their total growth in terms of, of, of pounds uh, after after weaning. So um, those are the, really the, the main values uh, of the system. So, you know, during the period of which you uh, wean a pig, they're under a lot of stress as you remove them from the sow. And under these conditions, um, uh, feeding permeate kind of reduces that stress because they have a lot of ability to digest lactose in the form of permeate. Uh, which is the most economic way to feed uh, that source of lactose. And remember, the the milk of the sow is, contains lactose. So when you're weaning, uh, providing that alternative uh, uh, form in the form of permeate is one of the best ways as they transition from um, from the sow's milk to uh, solid feed. So um, the other thing that, that that does is it improves the uh, intestinal health because it helps to promote beneficial bacteria. The lactose acts as a prebiotic and helps to promote uh, intestinal health, which improves their overall health and overall uh, survival. So we have a reduced mortality rate associated with uh, improved health of early wean uh, pigs. So that's another important point that it, it improves their gut health it improves their ability to utilize other nutrients that are fed to the uh, to the piglets, and that in itself then improves the overall growth and performance, nutrient uptake, and then weight gain of the piglets. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. So the statement that Vilsack made was something along the lines of this this research that you guys have re-updated or done again shows that lactating cells can accelerate the repopulation of China's hog industry. Is that essentially just suggesting that because of the gut health and the decrease in mortality rate, it just allows more piglets to survive to market weight? Or can you clarify that statement for us a little bit? Yeah, well, you know, those, you know, it's not going to take care of the issues that are associated with, um, the uh, African swine flu, you know, that's a, that's a whole different issue. But those that are still in production, 
that are still uh, uh, not not uh, that does, that don't contain the uh, the uh, virus and are healthy. Um, those that are in production, if they're fed permeate currently in China, they may feed about a pound of permeate on average uh, uh, for that for for the piglet. And what we're suggesting is if they can up that to about uh, two pounds or about a kilogram a day, a little 2.2 pounds of uh, permeate, uh, not per day, but uh, through that early weaning period. Um, that that will improve not only their overall health and survival, but will also uh, improve the overall uh, weight gain. So they're going to get the market fast. They're going to improve their overall economics and uh, and help to uh, uh, alleviate some of the problems. So so that's the I think the uh, suggestion that that we're trying to promote. Now, do we produce in this country enough whey permeate to really work this into hog rations, both domestically and in China? Yes, we do. Matter of fact, uh, we have, uh, you know, because of our the size and scope of our dairy industry and our uh, cheese industry, we have a lot of co-products that are produced, and um, um, so we have we have uh, uh, an apple supply to be able to provide the needs. Uh, for uh, early weaning of pigs for that feeding practice. And um, this has been a really big negotiating at point, it sounds like, for U.S. Dairy Export Council and their, their continued specific discussions with China. Dr. Tong, have you heard any feedback from the Chinese delegation or folks that they've been working with in China about this research or about the continued efforts by the U.S. to, in, to uh, continue those talks? Yeah, I mean, I I believe that um, USDEC would probably be the best. The USDA Export Council been working more closely with them, and I and, I, and several of our companies that are also uh, in the business of selling permeate uh, around the world would be uh, working to help facilitate that. But it's my understanding that they're going to uh, uh, relax the tariffs on permeate for for uh, feeding purposes. And uh, that might that might be reflective of the issue because you know pork production in Asia, uh, pork consumption is is huge in that part of the world, and so the issues related to the African swine uh, outbreak uh, and and the need to have uh, pork supplies may have also tr- helped to trigger and and bring that uh, relaxation of the tariff. All right. Well, it is an interesting study. It's neat to see new new ideas being brought into the world of agriculture. If we've got listeners who want to dig into this a little bit more, read the study, where can they go to find it? Um, we have several media releases that are, that are out there, and we're in the process of putting this into the scientific literature. That still takes a little while to get into full peer-reviewed publication. But if anyone who would like additional information, they can contact ADPI uh, and uh, or contact me at uh, ptong at adpi.org, and I would be happy to uh, provide additional information for them. Fantastic. Dr. Tong, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. 
Okay, you're welcome. Well, again, a big thank you there to Dr. Tong. Really interesting stuff. We are continuing the African swine fever discussion. It just continues to dominate the headlines, so I feel like it's got to take up some of our airtime too, Mike. Absolutely, absolutely. Yep, that's how that thing's going to go. And speaking of our airtime, listeners, you can find hours and hours and hours of us on the air by going to our website at agnewsdaily.com. You can check out our past episodes as well as check out other podcasts from other great agricultural podcasters who are part of the Global Ag Network. And as always, find us on Facebook, find us on Twitter, find us on Instagram. Just search for Ag News Daily, and we shall appear. With that, Delaney Howell, shall we let the people go? Let's let them go.